Let's go. Had Let's a chance, go. but you blew it, blew it, blew it. Man, I'm great. Move on, baby, who this, who this, who this. Girl, you're messing with the wrong one. Now I'm flexing cause I'm on one. I'm on one. Flex, 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 flexing on. Flex, 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 flexing on you. Welcome back to MBA University. Today is um, Friday, January 11th. This is now our second time recording this podcast due to technical difficulties. <laughs> um, so we're going to just sort of go over um, a few games that happened on Saturday the 5th, um, get it into four um, Big 12 teams, and then um, sort of show you our new format of um, just doing college podcasts and then doing an NBA podcast later in the week. Um, so let us know what you think about that. But uh, let's get into it. And again, shout-outs to DJ Z, Zenus, for a, our intro and outro music. What would you think of this Saturday? Yeah, so the first game I think we could talk about is Alabama-Kentucky um, because our last podcast, you and I both said we felt like Kentucky was, at least I definitely was sure that Kentucky was back to how I thought they would be all year. And then they responded and really showed how much we know by losing at Alabama. Um, and Alabama's not a, not a great team by any stretch of the imagination, but they're tough and they're athletic. Uh, they really kept the same persona that they had last year. They just lost Colin Sexton, obviously, and Braxton Key, which are two massive losses. But um, I, honestly, Kentucky should not have lost the game. They're way too good to lose that game. I know it's a young team on the road in conference, so there's a little bit of wiggle room for that. But... Um, Really, the one thing I just thought stuck out to me is that Kentucky still has no idea who their go-to guy is and who they need to take control. Uh, if you look at their starting lineup, all five starters had at least 10 shots, and then Reed Travis led the team with 13. Um, so, I mean, that's great. Share the ball, get, get good players, good shots. That works fine with me. But when it comes down to it in a close game down the stretch, somebody's got to take control. And honestly, that should be Keldon Johnson for me. Um, he's the best player on that team, and he <clears throat> he was 5 for 10 with 13 points, 7 rebounds, and 4 assists, but he pretty much was a ghost down the stretch. Um, and I I just wonder if the game would have ended a little differently if he was the focal point down the stretch. Yeah, yeah they really do need to uh, adopt a, a go-to scorer in the crunch time. Um, a lot of times teams that struggle to have that go-to scorer will struggle um, – when they're in tight games or they're in conference games or if they're in the tournament, um, if they don't have that go-to score, they kind of get stuck. Um, so that's sort of what Kentucky's experiencing right now. Um, and, and with, I, I do agree with Keldon Johnson. It's either got to be him or P.J. Washington, in my mind. Um, someone that they can get the ball to and they can go get a bucket um, consistently. Uh, I mean, they have a hero that can sort of be on the outside to to relieve some pressure uh, but I think Johnson or Washington have to get to the get to the rim uh, when it's when it's a close game yeah and they're kind of since they lost quite a green uh, Ashton Higgins has been like he's pretty much been in control uh, just because obviously he's the point guard so he's he's bringing the ball up and getting them initiated into their offense and everything but uh I think that kind of hurts him down the stretch just because he's not going to score it really. I mean, he'll obviously get, he can get to the hoop and make a layup, but he's not going to like pull up at the foul line and knock down a jumper to win the game for you or anything. Um, so in those situations, I'd like to see Keldon Johnson because I do think Keldon's a better playmaker than he gets credit for. Um, so say he's making a move and gets doubled, I have no doubt that he could find like Tyler Hero on the wing to hit a knockdown winner or something like that. Um, so obviously he's still really early in the year and they have plenty of time to figure it out. But if they don't figure it out, that could be something that takes them down in March. Yeah. What Kentucky kind of reminded me of is Durant's first year in the Warriors, um, where Steph, KD, Clay, Draymond didn't really know who should get the shot. Um, so they're just sort of just feeling each other out. They eventually figured it out, and that's something that I think Kentucky's going to figure out, um, who should get that shot. So uh, I don't have any worries about them um, moving forward. But I think Alabama – 
um, is a really solid team. They may not make the tournament, but um, getting a guy like Tevin Mack from Texas a couple of years ago, um, playing his first year with Alabama, sort of replaces some of what um, Colin Sexton and Braxton Key gave them last year. Um, so, I mean, they have a really solid, tough, tough, t tough team. So um, I like the way they played. Yeah. Um, I mean, any college basketball player will tell you winning a conference game, no matter who it's against, is tough to do just because there's so much familiarity. But um, that's enough about those guys in the SEC. So we'll go to Virginia and Florida State in the ACC. So Virginia uh, pretty much performed the way we expected them to. Great defense, pretty good offense with Kyle Guy getting loose. Um, but Florida State, to me, is just a team that will always struggle against good defensive teams, mostly, especially on the road, but mostly because they just don't understand uh, really what a great shot it is. They're kind of playing hero ball a lot of the time, don't share it too well, and settle for really long, difficult jump shots. Um, and that pretty much is seen by the fact that until garbage time, Florida State had, I want to say, 35 points. So I'm, I know they finished with over 40, but they didn't actually get 40, like, legit points. Um, and it was a bad situation for, for Florida State letting Kyle Guy go crazy, especially in the first half. They kind of dug themselves a hole that it's pretty tough to come back from as a team like Virginia. Yeah, yeah Florida State really, really struggled offensively. Um, no one shot the ball well. Uh, I think the best – yeah, I mean, uh, P.J. Colfer – he scored, or PJ, Phil Kofer, um, he he scored nine points on three of eight shooting, and that was their leading score. Um, so it just shows how how much they struggled offensively, and they really just couldn't get anything going. Virginia just sat back, played that pack line defense, made them um, into jump shooters. I mean, Kofer shooting six threes I think is too many. Um, and just had a bunch of guys going 0 for 2, 1 for 2, 0 for 3, 1 for 3, just making them, sh turning them into shooters, which they're not a shooting team. Uh, and then Virginia offensively really relied on Kyle Guy, um, and then Braxton Key coming off the bench um, really helped them out, giving them a huge boost of with 20 points um, and very efficient. Both Kyle Guy and Braxton Key um, Shot 7-11 from the field. So very efficient games. Um, hard to beat them when two of the top four guys are, are shooting that efficiently. Yeah, I mean, for to beat them, I think the focus really just has to be on Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome because the offense definitely runs through those two guys. Um, like Braxton Key got a lot of putbacks and made a lot of hustle plays in that game that got him buckets. And... Uh, so, like, if he does that, I mean, I don't know how you beat them. Um, if Kyle Guy makes, what, I think six threes or five threes like you did in that game, I don't know that you're beating them. Uh, I just think you really need to lock in on Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome, try to make it as difficult as possible for them to get jump shots. And then if DeAndre Hunter and Braxton Key both go for 20, I, I mean, you're probably just not going to beat them or you're going to have to have a crazy awesome shooting night. Um, and the, another problem with that is you're going to have to, use two defenders to guard uh, Guy and Jerome, that they're going to be exhausted by the end of the game for following those guys around screens all day long. Kyle Guy looks just like J.J. Redick did in college and even in the NBA now, running around screens, just continually making loops and circles and making you want to quit basketball as a defender. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they they definitely make it hard on the, on the defense, defending them, the running set plays, um, getting them coming off stagger screens, which are annoying to defend if you're doing that for 40 minutes. Um, I think a team, if they had any sort of offense, would be fun to watch against would be Kansas State. <laughs> and I say fun, um, but for a very intense college basketball fan, just because they don't play offense. But I think with Bobby Brown, Bobby <laughs> Barry Brown, um, and all their defenders they have on – uh, on Kansas State, they would be able to sort of shut down Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, uh, and really make DeAndre Hunter carry the offense the whole game, which I think he's comfortable doing it in um, stretches, but not being the go-to guy the entire game. 
So it would be interesting to see them play against a team that has a ton of defensive guards um, and see how they play against that kind of team. Yeah, and it was interesting that they started Diakite in that game too instead of Kai Clark like they had been uh, in the past just because Florida State's massive, so you had to go with the bigger lineup. And Diakite is a guy that is so athletic for his size. Like he w- he can be out guarding guards and have no problem with it. Um, and just down the road here, but uh, next Saturday, so the what 19th, um, Virginia has Duke. And I honestly think Diakite will have the task of guarding Zion. And that's going to be really interesting to see how Zion responds to length and athleticism that Diakite is going to bring. Um, obviously, we'll get that next week. But, uh, yeah, anything else on Virginia, Florida State? No, I think that's good. Um, that was a great, great game for Virginia. Uh, reality check for Florida State. Yeah, and they get to bounce back at home tomorrow against Duke. So we'll see how that goes for for the ACC, but um, next we have our Big 12 game, uh, kind of some one of the teams we're going to talk about today also, but Iowa State and Kansas, and as I mentioned last week, Hilton Magic was alive and well. Um, honestly, neither team played great, especially Kansas. Um, Iowa State had uh, Shayok get a little loose, and that helped him out big time, but um, yeah, honestly, I don't talk a whole lot about teams that I love in college basketball. I've rarely used the word love when referring to a team, but uh, Iowa State, for me, is one of them. Um, they've been impressive so far, and then still haven't had their best player be back and fully healthy yet. Uh, unfortunately, they lost at Baylor right after they played Kansas, so that kind of hurts, but um, it's all right. It's conference play on the road. We'll see what happens when they, when they respond to that one, but they're a team that honestly could – could go undefeated at home, um, and if they do so, they'll obviously be in great shape in the tournament. But, uh, yeah, they definitely have a home court advantage that really hides a lot of the problems of their basketball team. Yeah, yeah, they're able to get away with uh, some mistakes, some um, off-shooting outside of Halliburton and Shayok um, because of that home court. It is really tough to play there. Um, one of the the second best college home courts, according to Ken Palm, it's just a huge, huge advantage for them. Um, and I really think that's what hindered Kansas offensively. Um, I mean, they didn't play terribly. They just didn't get contributions that they needed from their, from guys like the Gerald Vick and, and Devon Dotson. Um, Diedrich Lawson sort of had an off game in his, for his, uh, his ability, I mean, he was at 13, 12, and 3, um, but had those six turnovers and shot the ball pretty poorly. Um, but I, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Quentin Grimes, his growth from the start of the season to, to where he is now. Um, looks like he's getting a lot more comfortable with the college game, um, sort of getting adjusted to the speed, the strength of the strength of everybody, and, and being able to play the four, uh, I think, is been a huge adjustment for him being only 6'5 um, and playing against bigger guys um, was a big adjustment but it seems like he's coming around yeah Kansas is an interesting spot because in that game they didn't have Azubuki um, and he's now been ruled out for the rest of the year uh, with a wrist injury I think might be hand but something to do with that area of your body um, and they're going to have to go with a four guard lineup Probably they're, that's what they're going to rely on mostly. They could still play two bigs with uh, McCormick and Lawson. They have, obviously, is their superstar. And then they also have Lightfoot, who comes off the bench. And hopefully, eventually, Silvio D'Souza, if the NCAA can ever get their, get out of their own way. But um, I think they're honestly better playing a four-guard lineup just because they really don't have a consistent shooter. Um, Grimes has been really up and down. LeGerald Vick was so hot to start the year, and now he can't hit water if he fell out of a boat. And they need to figure something out in that area because pretty soon teams are just going to lock Diedrich Lawson with double teams and occasional triple teams, and they're just not going to fear who you kick it out to because um, you have Garrett that's not a shooter at all. KJ Lawson's not a shooter. Devon Dotson's sometimes can knock down an open jump shot. So Grimes and Vick have to be the guys. Um, so we'll see what happens with the rest of that for the rest of this year. 
But for Kansas, I'm honestly just going to chalk up the loss to where they played. That's a really tough environment that I don't think a lot of top teams could win a game in. Um, and they just, from this point on, need to find that guy to go along with Edric Lawson and get them to where they want to go. Yeah, yeah, and we'll talk about them more later. But, yeah, I think coming out of the holidays, too, is always tough to find your legs. So I think uh, that's part of the reason Gerald Vick struggled to shoot. Um, I remember coming out of the holidays, getting into those first couple of practices, and then that first game comes real fast. Um, you just your legs get real heavy. Feel like they got lead in them. So uh, I'm not too worried about um, Kansas here right, as of yet. Um, but any other games you want to cover? Yeah. So two things I have really quick. Um, so Nevada got crushed by 30. I think it was 28, but I'm saying 30 roundup. Uh, to New Mexico in their first conference road game, shot 18% from three and 33% from the field as a team. That's, I mean, I've never seen numbers really that bad. Uh, so there's that for you. There goes their undefeated season. Um, honestly, it's probably going to help them in the long run. They'll take some pressure off and just let them focus on basketball again. They have a huge game coming up tomorrow at Fresno State, which is probably their toughest conference test. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to say was, We've talked about John Morant before like, briefly, but last night he had 26 points and 18 assists in, a, in 39 minutes in a win against Tennessee Martin and jumped over a defender on a dunk. So there's that for you, too. Yeah, I had a big game, but got outshadowed by Russ having 24 and 24. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean. Yeah, in like 12 more minutes. <laughs> but no, uh, he's special, and we'll certainly cover him in. in a lot of depth later on, but that was that was quite the performance. Um, Which one do you think is better, eighteen assists or jumping over a guy to dunk? I think honestly, eighteen is like guys jump over guys all the time. Not all the time, but it happens yearly <laughs> um, in college basketball. Whereas they're so stingy with assists. Marking down assist in college, that getting 18 of them is incredible. Um, something that I'll have to look up the numbers, but I don't think I've seen. So um, I think that's more impressive, honestly. Yeah, I agree with you there also. Um, but, yeah, just one quick more thing on Nevada. Um, they shot the ball terribly, but honestly, in my opinion, looking at their shooters outside of Jazz Johnson um, – no one is is a, a pure shooter. No one is a um, sort of knockdown shooter. A lot of them, the Martin twins are more volume shooters. Um, Thurman is is not a great shooter. Doesn't shoot it much. Um, and then Jordan Caroline is still developing that part of his game. So, although I don't think they'll ever shoot this bad again, I don't think it's going much higher than this. Uh, I think they're a very below average three-point shooting team despite how many attempts they take um so when jazz johnson goes one for three from three um they're probably not going to be shooting well he's got to be hitting four or five a game for them to have a solid percentage because of how many shots caleb puts up um and how many tough shots they put up so i think their shooting is going to really hurt them especially in the tournament yeah, and I mean, they responded nicely and won their next conference game by 40. So um, another big test tomorrow, as we said. But we'll talk about them more as March comes around. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'll uh, we'll jump into the Big 12 here um, and then get into our normal trade uh, picks and all that fun stuff. Wraps up the Big 12 championship for Oklahoma. All right, so the four teams we're covering today um, in the Big 12, Oklahoma, Kansas State, Kansas, and Texas Tech. Um, we'll start off with Oklahoma. Um, what I'll do here is just sort of list through their, their personnel, um, and then we'll break them down um, individually, go over what they do well as a team. So um, Oklahoma starts Aaron Kaleksi, uh, Miles Reynolds, who are both graduate transfers, um, then in their sort of front court, Christian James, Christian Doolittle, and Brady Manick. And then coming off the bench, um, they have Rashard Odoms, um, 
Jumuni, how do you say his name? McNeese. Jumani McNeese. Jumani McNeese. Yeah. Um, Jamal Benenemy, who's um, a freshman coming in, and then Matt Freeman plays, plays a little bit. Um, so what do you think of their team? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't crazy about this team really at all coming in. Um, obviously, they lost Trey Young, who was a polarizing player last year, uh, but added some nice transfers and kind of have an addition-by-subtraction type team where they just got better as a team overall, even though they lost, obviously, their best player. Um, this team kind of kind of goes as Christian James goes. Uh, he might not put up crazy numbers all the time, but he is he's their best player, definitely, in my opinion. Um, they're really good defensively, which is something that you could not even come close to saying last year. Um, and I don't want to put that all on Trey. I think they just learned how to play together a little bit better. And uh, like guys like Brady Manick kind of understand defense better now. Um, as a sophomore, but yeah, there's uh, elite defensive team so far. They're sixth on Ken Palm. That was last week, though, I think. But now they're eighth. Um, so not bad. Still a top ten defense. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we were talking about we were joking about this before, but obviously the Big Twelve is really known for offense and football, and then it comes to basketball, and all the teams are just defensive teams, and nobody scores a lot. Um, just a weird coincidence, I guess, but. So I don't know how how helped uh, their defensive numbers are by the teams they've played so far, like Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. But Kansas can score it a little bit. Oklahoma State can score it too, honestly. Um, so they're definitely good defenders. But, yeah, it's, it's a team that is, is not going to just blow you away by anything they do, especially on paper. Um, but then when you watch them play, they just really fit well together. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I really like the way Christian James plays. He plays within himself, doesn't try to force too much. Um, and you can see that in his numbers. He's very, he's got very good percentages, shooting 45% from the field, 36% from the three, um, and 73 from the free throw line. So very, very solid numbers um, when you're averaging 17 a game. And then I think with the two grad transfers coming over, Aaron Kaleksi and Miles Reynolds, um, they bring a calmness to the floor. Um, they're very in control of the game. Um, don't turn it over a ton. Um, and play really within themselves. So I think that helps them um, as a team overall, offensively and defensively. Um, and then Christian Doolittle is just, just a big-time hustle guy. Will get putbacks here and there. Doesn't shoot it, um, but really plays within himself as well. And then Brady Manick, sort of the opposite um, as far as plays on the perimeter. Has a great-looking shot. Um, shooting a lot better than his percentage – or. He's a much better shooter than his percentage shows right now. Um, but as a team, they really play like a five-out. Um, you'll see if you watch them, they they don't go inside the, the three-point line unless they're driving. Um, very rarely you see that. They sort of exchange positions um, and drive and kick out and play five-out that way. Um, don't really have a post presence outside of McNeese. Um, Odoms will play a little bit down low, but um, he's more of a slasher and, and do a little, a little bit, but not much. I mean, they're mainly relying on three-point shooting um, and getting into the paint. Um, so what do you think about how their overall team plays? Yeah, uh, I mean, you, you hit it. They're, they're not going to throw the ball inside really ever. Um, McNeese is going to get most of his points off offensive rebounds, and he's really good at it. He's also an elite shot blocker. Um, but they, I think they're better without post presence just because they have a bunch of big, solid guards, like solidly built, I'm saying, that uh, are good in space and can kind of create their own off the bounce. Um especially Christian James, but uh, I think it's impressive that they're as good. Well, they're what, 12 and three now um, with losses to Texas Tech, Kansas, and Wisconsin, uh, and Brady Mannix only shooting 33% from three, a guy that was lights out for him last year and super important. Um, and even Christian James is a really good shooter. He's only shooting 35%. His numbers are, he's taking a lot more threes than Brady Mannix, but um, I think those guys are going to get hot at some point, and Oklahoma's going to be really tough to play at that point. Yeah, I'm 
if it comes around into the tournament when they start clicking and knocking down the shots that guys knocked down last year um, and what they're capable of, um, they could be a tough out, um, especially if they're the underdog uh, in, in the tournament. I don't. I see them more as like a ten seed uh, if they do make it. Um, but it wouldn't be a fun team to watch because how well they play team defense. Uh, I mean, Christian James is a good individual defender. Miles Reynolds is solid. Um, Christian Doolittle can hold its own, but they rely a lot on team defense, um, helping each other um, and recovering, and they do a very good job at that. So um, not going to be a fun team to play in the tournament despite their, their sort of slow and um, not great of an offense that they have. Yeah, I mean, they set themselves up super nice for the tournament just by their non-conference play. Um, beat Florida, Notre Dame, Wichita State, USC, Creighton, Northwestern, and all super solid teams. And then uh, mid-majors in Wofford and Dayton and North Texas even are good wins. So they've done really well in non-conference that can kind of ease the burden of their conference play um, so they can afford a few extra losses that a lot of teams can't afford based on their non-conference play. Um, but yeah, like I think you said it anywhere between the seven to 10 line, uh, seven, if they really continue how they're playing right now and 10, if they fall off a little bit, which is more so what I'm expecting. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're going to run into a stretch, um, where they play, um, Iowa state, Texas tech at home back to back, um, and then get into TCU, Texas, or Iowa state, um, all three in a row. So, I mean, they're going to hit tough stretches in there in their schedule where they might lose two or three in a row. Um, so I expect them to fall off a little bit. Um, I do like this team, and I would like to see them in the tournament because I think they have upset capability. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's that's good for Oklahoma. We'll jump into um, Kansas State. McGruder off in time. Got it! And Kansas State stuns Bay. Um, Kansas State struggles offensively um, their personnel so they've been moving around their starting lineup due to injuries and just trying out different things um, with Dean Wade he typically starts but being hurt he's out um, so they have Barry Brown um, Mike McGurl's been in and out of the starting lineup um, if he's not starting, it's um, Stokes who will jump in his spot. Then Cartier Jara, um, Xavier Sneed, um, McCall Mayween will all start. Um, and then they have guys like Sean Neal Williams, a freshman coming off the bench, Levi Stockard, and Austin Trice. So um, all are sort of defensive-minded type players. Um, but what do you think about K-State? Yeah, they were a pick, a trendy pick that I heard for Final Four, like surprise team kind of. Um, as an Elite Eight team last year, pretty much returned everybody. Actually, I think they did return every starter uh, from that team last year and just played amazing defense. Um, another top 10 defensive team, great rebounding team, really limited due to one shot opportunity, and they make that one shot tough. Um, but offensively, they are really bad. Uh, and it's only getting worse since they lost Dean Wade, who was by far and away their best offensive player. Um, I mean, they're really relying on Barry Brown now, and I look at him as more like a kind of a second option, uh, maybe even third option on a really good team as opposed to the go-to option uh, on this Kansas State team. I mean, he is a capable player. Uh, he can. There'll be games where he can get to thirty. He's kind of like an Admiral Schofield. Like he's not really an offensive player, but there'll be games where he surprises you and drops thirty, and then there'll be games where he doesn't surprise you and drops like six. And those are the games where they're going to really have a hard time. Um, actually, in their last two games, so West Virginia and Texas Tech, they've had seven points as a team with uh, under ten minutes to go in the first half both times. Somehow they pulled out the game against West Virginia. Um, but they lost the game to Texas Tech. So, I mean, you're not going to see them get into the 70s really much uh, the rest of the year, especially without Dean Wade. 
And Ken Palm actually has him predicted to only win two games in the conference play from here on out. And they're already one and two, so that would be really bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, offensively, they uh, they beat West Virginia, who's a bottom bottom team in the Big 12 this year, um, by, by two. And that was because Bobby Brown had 29 and Mike McGurl had 18. Um, outside of that, they didn't get much scoring from anybody. Um, so that's what they're going to need hero performances every game offensively. Um, someone who's really gets hot and knocks down jumpers. Um, Mike McGurl was four or six from three. So something that he's a good shooter, has a good form on a shot. Um, but as a sophomore, not playing, um, starts, his minutes are going up now that Dean Wade's out, but someone who hasn't had a ton of, ton of experience in college, um, won't, you won't see that performance very often from him. And if guys like Xavier Sneed and Stokes can't get going, um, they're, they're going to be in the 50s and 60s every game and have to rely on holding teams to shooting 25 to 35% from the field um, to pull out victories, and that's going to be tough um, with teams like Kansas, um, Iowa State, o- um, Oklahoma State that can really put the ball in the, ho- in the hoop. So um, it's going to be a tough run for them. I-, I see them missing the tournament simply because of the schedule that, that they have. Um, lost to Tulsa, lost to Marquette, um, Texas, Texas Tech. Um, and I think they have a bunch of losses coming here soon. Yeah, I mean, losing your best player, you're never, especially when he's your, like, your only offensive player, it's never going to be a good thing. Um, there's a chance he can come back in eight weeks, which will bring us like pretty much the end of the season. Um, maybe they get lucky and make a run in, in the Big 12 tournament, but that's asking a lot. Um, the good thing about the way they play is that they're going to be in a lot of close games for the most part if they if their defense keeps up. And having a really experienced basketball team is helpful in close games like that, um, especially a bunch of guys that have played in huge games before. So maybe they can sneak out a few extra that we don't think they're going to get. But, uh, yeah, I don't think they're a tournament team at all. Yeah, which is unfortunate because, I mean, the way they defend, if they had any sort of offensive power, any weapon that they could could use um they could be a scary scary team and i can understand the final four pick um but without that offense it's gonna be very very difficult for them to pull out wins um yeah let's let's jump into um a different part of kansas and go to the kansas jayhawks collins driving almost lost the handle chalmers for the tie got it in two seconds unbelievable um, a team that gets gets their five-star recruits, um, not quite as many as Kentucky and Duke normally get, um, but they start a few of them. Um, they have Devon Dotson, um, a freshman. Um, they have Gerald Vick, who's a senior, uh, sort of tested the waters um, of the NBA last year and, <laughs> funny enough, lost his number to Charlie Moore, a transfer that came in and took the number two. Um, and when he came back, he didn't have it. So um, he's sort of a go-to uh, guard scorer. Then they have Marcus Garrett, um, Quentin Grimes, and Dedrick Lawson. That they round out the starting lineup with um, Dedrick's brother, KJ Lawson, coming off the bench. Um, David McCormick, another um, freshman recruit. Uh, Charlie Moore, uh, their backup guard. And then Mitch Lightfoot, another another big coming in. Um, so. We talked a little bit about them so f- earlier. Um, what do you think of them? Yeah, so, I mean, I said it before, but Diedrich Lawson still is my player of the year right now. Uh, he's been incredible all year long, just continues to put up insane numbers, especially as uh, he's basically playing as a guard. Um, that's what he's more comfortable doing, at least, like, distributing and all that stuff uh, out of the post and getting, like, numbers like 30 and 10 uh, multiple times so far this year. Um so that's always good for Kansas to have one of the best players on the court every single time they step on the court, if not the best. Um, but frequently so far, I've, re- I've heard from a lot of different people that they say Kansas just isn't that good this year. And 
Um, kind of, well, they're good, but not as good as they normally are. And I feel like they're a little bit undervalued. Um, I agree that there something seems up, but uh, I think it's mostly just because I've said it before too. They just can't put people away, so every game is close. But they have wins over Michigan State, Marquette, Tennessee, Villanova, Oklahoma, and then mid-major wins over Vermont and Wofford, which are two teams that could be in the tournament. And then their losses are Iowa State and Arizona State. Like I see nothing wrong. And both of them are on the road. I see nothing wrong with that resume. That's actually incredibly impressive for a team that is still trying to figure it out. Um, but still, their number one thing for me is figuring out somebody to be consistent besides DJ Clawson. Yeah, yeah. And to get even more specific than that, I think they should find somebody that um, can play in the backcourt. Uh, they have Devon Dotson, and Gerald Vick, and then Charlie Moore off the bench. Um, and that's essentially their ball handlers. Um, they're sort of scoring wings um, or scoring guards that you can see. I mean, they, they really rely on that front court. Um, Quentin Grimes, even though he's 6'5", he plays more as a wing forward type. Um, Diedrich Lawson, obviously a big. And then outside of Charlie Moore, everyone that comes off the bench is a, is a forward. So they need to find some sort of scoring, in the consistent scoring in the backcourt. Because um, too often the Gerald Vick is having six to eight point games um, and putting it in all on Dietrich Lawson. Their most recent game against TCU, um, Dietrich Lawson put up 31 14, and then the Gerald Vick had 12. No one else was in double figures. Um, so they need definitely need a lot more help offensively. They're gonna they're gonna play great defense. Um, the way they play, there's gonna be more points than their defense should be given off, given up just simply because a lot of transition buckets happen. Um, but their half-court defense is very good. Um, I mean, only beating TCU um, by nine without Jalen Fisher, uh, I think, is concerning because that was at home. Um, they really need to to get working on that backcourt offense, and I'm not sure where it's going to come from. Um, Devon Dotson. He's really good in transition, getting to the rim, but um, doesn't feel comfortable scoring in the half court. And then the Gerald Vick has just been hot and cold, so I'm not sure where their offense is going to come from in the back court. Yeah, I don't think like Gerald Vick is ever going to be the answer to a consistency question. Um, that's just the way his jump shot has been, I guess. It's nothing against him. It's just some guys that aren't meant to be uh, consistent knockdown shooters, and he falls into that category. But Charlie Moore is a guy that so he played at Cal his freshman year, which was 2017, and sat out last year as a transfer. Um, and he had a 38-point game at Cal. He had multiple 20-point games. Like, he can score it. Uh, he's just the guy that it takes him a while to get into the flow of the game and the rhythm. And coming off the bench and playing, like, 10 minutes a game or so at Kansas this year, he hasn't really figured that out yet. Um I don't know if he's ever going to figure that out and get used to coming off the bench, but if he does, he'd definitely give them a big-time scoring boost. Uh, Devon Dotson is way more comfortable making plays for other people and just getting into the paint and uh, moving the ball around than he is a scoring threat, which is not a bad thing. That's just his skill set. Um, but I think Quentin Grimes has to has to continually repeat his performance against Michigan State in the first game of the year where he dropped 21, I think. Um, but he's he's a good enough shooter. Um, hasn't shot it great yet, but I think he's starting to get it going again. He's had a couple big games the last few games, and uh, hopefully he can stay consistent and help out DJ Clawson. Yeah, and I really do think that's where it comes. Uh, it has to come from. I think if Devon, they should give Grimes more ball handling uh, responsibility. I think he's a good good playmaker. Um, when he's able to have the ball in his hands um, and run a pick and roll, I think he can do a lot of damage. He's got Harry Giles. He's got Harry Giles syndrome a little bit, though. He fouls so much that he can barely ever stay on the court. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's that's the biggest reason he's only averaging around 26 minutes a game. Um, but I, I think Bill Self has to trust him in, in making plays and giving him the ball um, a lot more than he had. Um, I don't think he's a, a secondary attacker where he's attacking closeouts I think he's more of well, let's play one on one and let me get to the paint and make a play from there um, so 
I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how they they add it, um, how they end the season. Um, I, I would like to see Charlie Moore um, sub in for Marcus Garrett, and they play really small. Um, sort of have real, truly four guards out there, um, four ball handlers out there with Dedrick Lawson. Uh, I think that's that's sort of the direction they need to go, especially when they're struggling offensively. Yeah, I, I still I'm giving them their 14th straight uh, Big 12 regular season title, and they'll still be a one or a two seed, I think, at worst. So they're in they're in the same, same old Kansas spot as always. Yeah, and they're going to be a team that gets um, slept on. They'll be an upset pick in the second round of the tournament. Um, it's just how Kansas is every year. Um, but this year, I, I think that it's going to be a very earned um, Big 12 title. I think they're going to really have to work hard for it um, because of how good the teams in the Big 12 play defensively. Um, and I think it's going to be a tough road. There's going to be a lot of close calls um, where they might act, they might lose it. So um, it'll be a little bit different. But, again, ultimately they'll end up probably the last one seed. Um and still make their run. But let's get into Texas Tech. There are a lot of people at Texas I like, but this isn't the time for that. <laughs> Let me see what's going on. What do I got here? Oh, my God. This is good. Go Texas Tech. Yeah, so besides the Duke game, they've pretty much only played played Nebraska um, outside, outside of conference play, and they absolutely hammered Nebraska. And realistically, they could have won the Duke game. So it's – we still – at least me personally, I still don't really know how good they can be. Um, they have wins over Kansas State and Oklahoma and West Virginia so far, but none of those are too impressive to me. Um, this game tomorrow at Texas I think is a huge game for them. Uh, they've – I can't remember the exact stat, but it's been like – I want to say 10-plus years since they've beaten Texas, especially uh, at Texas. So we'll see how that, that can uh, change maybe. But hopefully not for you. I know that. Yeah. Um, but they're going to always struggle against good defensive teams because it's Jarrett Culver and then everybody else. Um, to use the Dabo Sweeney, the rest of y'all bus, um, he pretty much is he's the only option on offense. Uh, he's shooting a lights out 61% from two and 42% from three. Um, but they're going to, as a team, they're going to be in the low 60s when they play good teams. And really every point is going to matter, especially coming down the stretch. Um, but specifically for them, I think Matt Mooney really needs to start to be more aggressive to get them to at least a capable level offensively. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the way they line up, the way they start the, the game. Um, Matt Mooney, like you said, um, transferring over from South Dakota, um, someone who was player of the year two years in a row, I believe, um, for the big summit. Is that the conference? I always forget theirs. Um, but it was player of the year in his conference two years in a row, averaging 19 points the last two years. So someone who definitely can score the ball. Um, underrated athletically, um, very good uh, playmaker. Um, and then they have David A. Moretti. Um, international um, recruit coming from Italy. Um, then obviously Jarrett Culver, their their big focal point, and then in the back court, or in the front court, um, Tariq Owens uh, transferred from St. John's. He led the Big East last year in blocks. Super athletic, um, long, very similar to like the Tyrus Thomas type. Um, and then Norens Dossier, um, they're big, they're redshirt senior. Um, He's just a big body down low, very strong, very physical. Um, and then they have guys like Kyler Edwards. There, um, he's a freshman. Um, has a, looks like he has a ton of potential. Um, then Brandon Francis, um, he transferred over as well. Um, I'm blanking on the college he was at last year, but um, and Sean Corpru and Lee Gundigo plays a little bit, um, but. They typically have a eight-man rotation. Yeah, and so one other guy, I think, uh, also Francis came from Florida. Florida, um, but right. one other. So Tariq Owens is a transfer um, from St. John's, 
and he's a he's a long athletic big with super high energy and unbelievable bounce um but he can he doesn't know how to like focus that i guess to say so he he can be a handful when he's in the right situations but he hasn't really been in those situations yet i think it's important for texas tech um and especially mooney who's generally the ball handler um to get him involved early in the game maybe run some pick and rolls and throw some lobs to start the game just to see um if he can maybe go up and get one and put somebody on a poster and then he'll be locked in the rest of the game and his impact is going to be more so defensively just as a shot blocker than it will be offensively but those extra few hustle rebounds and putbacks that he can get will be huge for a team that struggles to score yeah yeah i think it's important to get three goings going early um because he is that energy leader of that team the emotional leader um, if he starts, if he starts off with a lob, um, gets a couple blocks. Um, I mean, he's averaging two and a half blocks a game. So if he if he gets those early um, and brings that energy, they play a ton better um, than if he's sort of off his game a little bit. Uh, I think he needs to finish better around the rim. Um, does a good job getting there. Has a length to get there, um, but needs to finish a little bit better. Um, and then. I think a big key for Texas Tech offensively is Kyler Edwards. Uh, I think he needs to take that uh, Jarrett Culver role of last year, um, sort of freshman coming off the bench. Culver was averaging, I think, 11 or 12 points a game last year off the bench. Kyler Edwards is around seven right now. If he can get a couple more buckets a game, um, that's going to help out a ton. Um, he has the skill set to do it. Um, he's a good shooter. Um, knocking down a lot of shots, just needs to be a little more aggressive offensively. I'd like to see him getting to a few more shots a game. Um, and I think they can sort of fix this offense. This offense has the, the weapons there. They're just not playing um, that well offensively as of yet. Yeah, they're very defensive focused, I think, which is the reason that leads to the lack of offense they kind of just gave the ball to Keenan Evans last year and said figure it out and he was able to do that uh, for the majority of the year um, but I think it's a, a four three four five seed somewhere around there I'm leaning more towards a four seed um, but I also think it's a trendy first round upset pick uh, to some 13 seed that could I don't know say like a Western Kentucky if they win their conference something like that um, but yeah it's a tournament team for sure and they have they have the ability to be a second weekend team, but they also have the problems to be out in the first round. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, a funny stat though, when we were sort of getting ready for this, um, for them, is when I was doing their um, defensive ratings for their starters. Um, Davide Moretti is their worst ranked as far as defensive rating goes. So defensive rating is the amount of points that you give up while you're on the floor. 100 possessions um so what do you think his his defensive rating is and keep in mind he's the worst in the starting lineup uh um i would say it's like right at 100 so he's the he's the worst again um and his defense rating is 83.8 <laughs> what <laughs> yeah um so absolutely ridiculous defensive rating numbers on this team um, no, that's more than ridiculous. That's like <laughs> broken. Like there's there's a misprint or something. Yeah, it was. Oh my um, god! And, and these numbers come from Basketball Reference um, or Sports Reference for college. Um, so, like Matt Mooney's at seventy five, um, Jared Culver's at seventy nine, Tariq Owens at seventy five, Odasi is at seventy one. Um, realistically, that is literally insane. Yeah. So. Um, Crazy, crazy defensive team. I think that really puts it in perspective that these guys are giving up 0.7 points uh, a possession. I mean, it's they're scoring every few possessions. So it's it's really impressive. Um, but like I said, the, their offense has to come around through through Matt Mooney, Tree Goins, and really Kyler Edwards. Um, and if that happens, they can have a run similar to last year. If that doesn't happen, um, they can run into some trouble first round. So, all depends on the matchup and how they're playing. Um, but yeah, those, so those are the those are the four teams. The Big Twelve we covered. Um, that completes the Big Twelve. Unless you guys want to hear someone else.
Um, we're going to jump into a different. <laughs> Please conference. say no, no, no one else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so quick break here, and we'll jump into picks and the trade. So, so maybe you can put your great minds together and go through this, and by, by the end of the show, we'll have a completed bracket. All right, so Zach's going to get us into some games to watch for, for this weekend. Um, he'll give me a trade, and then we'll get into our college picks. So so what big games are coming up this weekend? All right, so obviously so far, hope, hopefully you guys watch St. John's Villanova on Tuesday, see how real St. John's was, and I think they solidified it again, had a decent lead the whole game. Villanova snuck one out. Um, and then UNC had a big win on the road at NC State also. Uh, Wednesday, we had Houston, who lost to Temple um, for their first loss, which leaves us with two undefeated teams in Virginia and Michigan. Um, and then tonight, we have Indiana at Maryland. Tomorrow, we have Duke at Florida State, Texas Tech at Texas, Tennessee at Florida, and Gonzaga at San Fran. You can also throw in uh, Nevada at Fresno State in there. But those would be the, the big tournament implication type games to watch. Nice. Um, so what's what's the trade you got for me? All right, so this one has just changed a little bit um, because I just got a John Rothstein tweet a few minutes ago. But um, so the the trade is EJ Montgomery from uh, from Kentucky. I'm poaching off their loaded roster, um, and EJ Montgomery is a really special big that was highly touted coming out of high school, and a guy that Calipari says literally every single game I need to get him more minutes, and then and every other game he's playing. Nick Richards, the minutes that EJ Montgomery should be getting. Um, so get him a fresh start as a really, honestly, a good offensive player. Um, I'm going to trade him to Kansas State for Dean Wade. And the reason this changes a little bit is because Dean Wade apparently went through most of practice today and is a game-time decision for Iowa State tomorrow, even though it was reported he was out for eight weeks. Um, so that's big. Uh, I don't know that Kansas State would want to trade him. Now that they know he's possibly coming back, but um, if he goes to Kentucky, he can sit on the bench and definitely rehab a little bit longer, get back to 110% and come off and be a scoring threat um, off the bench as another big to kind of fill in the, the bench minutes that P.J. Washington and uh, Reed Travis when they're when they're not on the court. And Montgomery is a guy that just gets a fresh start and could help the offense so much at Kansas State. Yeah, uh, I, I mean... That change definitely, or that uh, trade definitely changes a lot with that news. Um, that's news to me. Um, changes our whole outlook on Kansas State, knowing Dean Wade's going to be back in a couple of games. I think um, they have a much, much better shot at making the tournament with him back, um, giving some offense to them. Um, but I mean, I, I think I still do it as Kansas State. I think they, um, Dean, was, Dean Wade's been great, but I think. E.J. Montgomery fits more into that, that style of play offensively. Um, really defend hard and then get out and go. Um, have Barry Brown and, and Mike McGurl and um, Stokes and all those guys um, have a little bit more to give to um, rather than just um, the guys down low that they have with Mayween and um, – and all those guys. Um, so I still would do it, give Montgomery um, free reign to sort of do whatever he wants offensively and have the backup on defense that he needs. So um, I'm still all for it. Yeah, I like it more too now, just because Kentucky, I think, is is more ready because they know they they have the potential to get a superstar coming off the bench. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so what All right, so you want to make some picks? I'll give it a shot. Um, so I'll be completely honest. And uh, la- when we recorded this last time, the recording <laughs> didn't work on my end, and I picked NC State to beat North Carolina, <laughs> and that didn't go well. Um, so I'm refreshed this week, and I'm ready for a better pick. Um, so I'm going with Marquette at home tomorrow against Seton Hall. Uh, no spreads out yet. I'm going to guess it's five and a half um, in favor of Marquette. Marquette was favored by seven and a half against Xavier. So I'm just taking a few points off of that since Seton Hall's better. Um, and Marquette's a team that's entirely different at home than they are on the road. Um, they play close games to bad teams on the road, and then they'll play really good teams at home and just beat them by 20, kind of like how they beat St. John's um, and Buffalo. 
or no, just Buffalo lost St. John's, sorry. But uh yeah, Marquette's gonna score it a ton. They're gonna Marcus Howard against Miles Powell is gonna be something to watch. Marcus Howard is coming off another fifty point game, um, and just a really special basketball player. So I'm gonna go Marquette minus five and a half over Seton Hall. I like it. That's what I was looking at as well. Um th- I think this this uh <clears throat> this weekend's tough. Uh, I'm really struggling to to find a pick here. Um, but I think I think I'm gonna roll with um, Iowa State really bouncing back, um, playing at home against Kansas State. Um, Kansas State, as we talked about, um, might have Dean Wade coming back, but I still think they struggle to score, especially in um, Hilton Magic. So um, I think Ohio Iowa State is gonna be favored um, by six and a half, seven and a half, I would say, um, and I'll take that seven and a half. Uh, I think um, Iowa State, this is um, Wigington's first game where he really explodes back from injury. Um, has a 20-point game here. And Shayak contributes as normal, and I think they roll pretty easily, winning by 15. Yeah, they're, like I said, they're entirely different at home. Um, that loss to Baylor's... I don't understand why they're so bad on the road, but if they played Baylor at home, they'd probably beat them by 15 to 20. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure they'll bounce back. Also, I think the over-under in that game is going to be higher than it should be because Iowa State can score a little bit better and possibly Dean Wade could be playing. So an early under in that game might help you out a little bit too. I think in every Big 12 game, take the under. <laughs> Until it gets under 100, then you got to start looking at it a little closer. <laughs> yeah. Especially the Texas Tech-Texas game. Um, I'm expecting... I'm surprised you didn't pick that one. I would have taken Texas in that one. I'm worried about that one. I I, I, I know you you don't like to pick teams you like, too. I know that. Yeah, so um, it's going to be... I think it's going to be like a 65-60 game. Just don't know which direction. Um, So I would stay away from that one. So you want to learn about Coach Wooden for the third time in like a week and a half? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's let it rip. What's this? What's this week's right. party about? Action! I am a scientist. You're a scientist. So if this one doesn't work, if this podcast doesn't work, it's Coach Wooden's fault because I've done this so many times now. I'm literally going off memory. But um, so. John Wooden, obviously, is one of the best coaches of all time. I don't think anyone could argue that. Um, probably the best NCAA coach of all time. Won an unbelievable amount of rings, Final Fours, longest winning streak ever, like, beside, until UConn happened. But, yeah, um, basketball. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so his teaching method is basically 50% instructional. So what you're doing, why you're doing it, how it's helping you, how to do it more consistently, all things like that. Um, and then the other 50% is either – kind of like scolding, I guess you can call it, or um, reinforcing his ideas from the instruction. So there's a clear-cut like focus on instruction. Um, if you include the scolding and reinforcement that is directly related to the instruction, his entire practice schedule, games, all the speeches, everything, is all related to instruction, um, which I think any coach knows the most important thing you can do is teach your athlete or even if it's a teacher, teacher, student, what they're doing and why they're doing it. Um, And the way he does it is called the sandwich method, which is basically what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do, then what you're supposed to do again. Um, So the athlete or student or whoever it is can see the right thing to do, they know the wrong thing to do, and then again, they're left with the right thing to do. Um, And basically those two things are why he got to where he is. Yeah, it's it's truly an effective way to coach um, and teach, um, which I think are the exact same thing. Um, working with my team, um, instruction is huge, but telling them why I'm telling them what they're doing I think is more important because they don't have any context on what they're doing or why they're doing it. Um, they're not going to remember to do it. It's not going to become instinctual. Um, it's just going to be something, oh, I have to do it this way because. Um, but if they know why, they're definitely more likely. And I know that's something that um, Stephen Adams is huge on. Um, when he was growing up in New Zealand training with Kenny McFadden, um, he always asked, why am I doing this? And he would explain it to him, and then he would do it 110% more. 
Um, so giving them the why I think is the biggest reason why John Wooden was so, so successful and a lot of coaches get away from it um, because it's just, it just seems natural. Like, hey, you do this this way, um, especially college coaches when you're getting guys coming in and out um, every year, every couple of years. Um, you sort of forget to say, hey, this is why you're doing it. You're sort of starting over each year. Um, so definitely a great study there um, that we're pretty well-versed in now. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you get to hear it this time. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get this one out. Um, I'm hoping for no technical difficulties. Um, and then we're going to try um, this upcoming Monday to get a NBA podcast where we talk a little bit about um, a team from the West, team from the East, and have some educational things coming towards you. So um, look out for that. Uh, but let, let us know what you think. Yep. We'll see you on Monday. See you on Monday. Shout out to DJ Zenus. Take us away. Show up, get out on the floor. All I want to know.